Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, joining me tonight, we've got Craig Manson. Good evening, Craig. Hi all, how are we doing? And we've got Johnny McGinty. Good evening, Johnny. Hello, good evening. Um, we've got um, we've got some bits to get through tonight. The big news, though, is that our live pods are back on. It was cancelled. Come on, now it's back on. Um, thank you very much to Portobello Rugby Club who have approached us after hearing that the live pods were cancelled and offered to have us at their Super Saturday event. So on the nineteenth of March, in the afternoon, we are going to be at Portobello Rugby Club. They've got a whole Super Saturday event planned with the games on. I think there's going to be things like touch rugby, various bits of fun like quizzes and we're going to be there kind of hosting and doing some match analysis and other bits of bits and bobs might do some live hands in the ruck and uh some uh portobello special crap call-offs if we can get that sorted <laughs> so if you're in the ember area and you don't fancy playing city center prices for a pint and want to watch the game come down and see us we're on uh before and at half time and afterwards um I, I think i think it's free to get in so you'd be more than welcome to yeah. come and join us. The beer will um, be cheaper, but we'll be talking. So swings and roundabouts, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yes, um, that's that's that. So well, let us know if you're coming down. It'd be good to see uh, some of you. Um, it's the first time we've done it, so it should be fun. I think we've got so Craig and Johnny, you're both there. We've got John Anderson and Ian here going to be joining us as well. So it'll be five of us, and my mum's going to be there. Big fan, <laughs> podcast biggest fan. Regularly, yeah. regularly mentioned on the Patreon feed. Um, so, um, shall we do start with a bit of news tonight? Go for um, it. Craig's Craig. got a black shirt on for a reason. You might oh, as well let him do it. I'll it's a dark blue shirt, it. thank you very much. <laughs> do you want to tell Any, us what's happened, Craig? Doug, I'm, I'm filling up. I'm filling up. I can't do it anymore. I can't go on anymore. <laughs> Magnus, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> so, yeah, that's news today that Magnus Bradbury is signing for Bristol Bears from next season. He's leaving. He's exiting the cult, Craig. Uh, no, he's not exiting the cult. He got chucked out of the cult. Was, <laughs> he's been he, ejected. He didn't, he didn't leave. He didn't leave. I, I told him to go. Normally, that, normally what happens in cults is you kind of go and kind of track him down and drag him back in. <laughs> That's yeah, normally what happens. We're, 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 he, apparently, he has gone, gone, uh, gone rogue, and we're going to have to send out like a uh, a film crew to start asking them questions and filming them on his doorstep and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we'll get onto the ERC later, but I mean, Ember fairly stacked in the back row as it is, Craig. It's it's obviously he's a big player, been a big player for Ember for a few seasons. We've talked about his form being a bit up and down on the pod before it's a it's probably a good move for him really i, I think to be perfectly honest he, he, he you know if it's a, hopefully it's a big money move for him he deserves he deserves a, a, a good move and everybody you know uh, you know we've got these these guys coming through and maybe he's seen the writing on the wall because if you look at you know Connor Boyle, Moncaster, Ben Moncaster coming through. Some of the younger lads that are coming through now as well. Um, I think it was uh, oh, I've forgotten his name now. It's uh, the lad Brown, Rudy Brown. I think. You know, there's some some phenomenal back rows there. Um, and if he's you know he's now a you know he's a Scottish internationalist. If he can if he can get a couple of years of good money um, and play in the in the um, uh, in a in a different championship. Um, 
you know, it's going to make him worth more. It's going to make him. Uh, he still he'll still get to play for Scotland if he can. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. You know, I'm not actually that. I'm, I, I'm upset, but I'm not upset if you understand what I mean. He's, yeah. he's going to be he's going to be missed, but I think he's doing. He deserves a good move. You know. Yeah, it's not always been um, easy for Scottish players to kind of transfer their form down south, though, Johnny. I'm kind of thinking, you know, obviously you've got Johnny Gray and Stuart Hogg down at Exeter and they're, they're, doing, they're doing fine. Do you know? They're, they're, but it's, I don't know, You, I guess it's the risk of going and being a a small fish in a big pond as, as opposed to being the big fish in the, the smaller yeah, Scottish no, pond. Exactly. And the idea of, of Scottish players going down to the Premiership with the hope of being a weekend, weekend starter and doing well, it's a pretty new thing. Like for every Sean Lamont 10 or 15 years ago, there's what 20 other players that would go down and play once every six weeks and come on as a subby. And I mean, that's kind of a little bit of what's happening to Hugh Jones now as well. But in the main, I think the Scottish players in the last few years that have gone to the premiership, Johnny Gray, Stuart Hogg, Adam Hastings have have gone down Doohan and, and Suz this year as well to be a starter and a fixture in the team. I hope that that's going to happen for Magnus, but there's a lot of back there's a lot of backrooms at Bristol as well. They're not exactly shy either. Yeah, I guess that can be a good thing though, Craig. Cause it push it kind of pushes you on. It's pretty brutal in the Premiership that if you you know one bad game and you're dropped, and if the guy ahead of you or two guys ahead of you are in form, then it's a, a hell of a job to fight your way back in. And maybe in at Ember and Glasgow, that's there's a bit more rotation there. And even if you have a bad game, you know, you'll probably get a chance in a few weeks to kind of have another crack. Yeah, I think, but also, there, there, you know, there is quite a lot of rotation down in the Premiership because of the amount of games they have to play. Um, so you, you do see a fair bit, you, you do get your chance. Um but also, if you look at the social media that surrounded the move today, Bristol's announcement, etc. I don't think Bristol, you know, it's not like this, you know, they've just announced one wee page saying we've signed Magnus Bradbury on a on a short term loan deal just to get you know get us through a tough patch. He's he's being announced as a as a star signing, so you know, I think they're they're fully expecting to use him. Yeah. Um, other you know, back, oh yeah, go on, Craig. Uh, also, the other thing was the rumor was that it was going to be Mata, that Bill Mata that was going so to Bristol. So um, you know, obviously with Bill being being injured, has this moved it on to, to Magnus, or was it Magnus originally that was going to be the guy? And they just it was the rumor mill got it slightly wrong. Yeah, I want it's interesting with Bill Mata because I get the impression, and certainly the last time he re-signed is that he's just very happy in Edinburgh. And I think he's very aware of what can happen to Pacific Island players if they go elsewhere. I mean, you look mm. at, um, you know, we look at what happened to Uncle Big Nax when he went to Paris and then came back to Glasgow and then didn't go to Ulster. Yeah, it's you know it, it you know you get you get your game time managed, you're well looked after. There's the kind of pastoral care there as well, and I think the SIU have been particularly good at that. So. I don't know. I, I kind of a few seasons ago, I think I was maybe worried about Bill Matter going and leaving Edinburgh. One, I think there's more depth there, Craig, but also mm. he seems quite comfortable and happy. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and, and to and to be perfectly honest, I think yeah, I think everybody, you know, is starting to get a little bit more happier at Edinburgh anyway. Um, since uh, since the aforementioned uh, shouty man left, so um, we'll we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see how it goes, you know. Um, other news then, Johnny, you've got a back row signed. Roy really? Dodge's, Roy Dodge's, well, yeah, of course, he's resigned. Yeah, I was, uh, I was really excited about that the other day, and ended up completely, just completely forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, I mean, it's no secret that I love Roy Dodge. Um, was very pleased when he came along from Edinburgh. He's only just, he's done nothing but get better and better basically since he did come along. He was about the only good thing about Scotland a couple of weeks ago, so. Pleased to see him sticking about. Can't believe I forgot. About it. <laughs> I'm going to blame the. I'm going to blame the Rona for that. It's, it's a brain fog. Um, should we talk about the ERC then? Nope. Nope. We can talk about it as much as you want. want to you want to just talk about it. Well, we let's get let's get let's get Glasgow out of the way first. Then. Right. <laughs> right. In the group chat, everybody. Well, I see everybody. You, John, and Ian in particular, I think, are quite down on the current Glasgow regime and the way things are going. But Glasgow have got the same kind of... How come Glasgow and Embra are pretty much matching the number of wins and losses they're getting, but Embra fans seem optimistic and Glasgow fans are calling for Danny Wilson to go? It doesn't... Just mean on paper, yeah, they're fairly yeah, evenly it, matched. So what's the, really what's the difference... For you, Johnny, I think it's it's the way that we lose when we do lose. Like once it starts to go wrong for Glasgow, it goes long, goes wrong spectacularly, and it's just like there's no shape. For some reason, we we always seem to be one injury away from the entire backline being boys played out of position, which I don't really understand. Once we start to get behind and our heads go down, our shape completely disappears, our tactics melt, and it's just, I don't know, there, there doesn't seem to be any resilience to Glasgow. And I think it's because of the game plan that they've, that they've put in or the, the way that they're instructed to go out there. I think once they are facing a bit of adversity, they don't know how to deal with it, and, it, and that worries me. Yeah, but, and hear me out on this, if you're winning games, then the game plan works or must be working at points. So is it is it then in the personnel and the execution? And is that the issue? Is it that you've got the likes of Ryan Wilson and you know Ryan Wilson is an ex- I don't doubt as an exceptional social secretary, but there's an argument to say that you don't make your social secretary the club captain for various very good reasons. Is is the I wonder whether it's a player problem and a, and a, and a mindset problem yeah. more than it is a Danny Wilson and a coaching problem. I, I don't think it's fair to totally absolve the players of any blame because when it comes down to it during the game, it is, it's up to the players. I wouldn't have Wilson as captain. I said already I'd have Ali Price as the captain, on-field captain, certainly. Um. I think that there is an element that the players are the players are struggling, but but I, I wonder how much of that is to do with. Obviously, with Edinburgh with Mike Blair now, you get the impression that the players are able to 
to kind of take ownership a bit of the game plan and and seem to have an idea of what they're going to do and and a bit of their own input. And I wonder how much that the, of the, that there is in Glasgow. Yeah. Daddy Wilson doesn't ever seem like much of an authoritarian coach, but the Glasgow players, I think, are better than the way they're reacting when they start to go behind in games. And I wonder if it's because they think that they're not able to adjust on the fly or not. They don't have the, not the tools, but they don't have the opportunity to adjust on the fly if they need to. Yeah. Greg, what's your take on Glasgow? Because it's, is it just, is it just kind of like typical Glasgow pessimism? It's a difficult one because, you know, uh, two or three weeks ago, they'd just beaten Leinster and they were kings of the world and Danny Wilson was forgiven. And so I find it, I find it difficult to to try and work out exactly what's going on. One thing I will say is that um, Johnny is right. We're we're looking at a team that when they lose, they lose big, and they lose big against against not proper teams, as John Anderson would say. Um, <laughs> you know, and and but then on other things, they'll go down to fourteen men with a red card and they'll win a game because they they seem to all come together. I, I, I don't. I, I honestly don't understand it. Some of it, I think, for me, it looks like there's an awful lot. There's 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 an awful lot of players overplaying at certain times and 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 trying to win the match, to try to do a Scotland and win the match themselves, and and when things are going wrong. But then Glasgow were very very unlucky at the weekend. Nothing went right for them. Absolutely, you know, like. Like a, a, a ball that came to someone's hands would have normally have been caught, you know, bounced off their chest, or the you know the, a try that was that would sometimes be given, you know, was was not given. Now, I think the try side of things, Wilson doesn't help himself when he's on the field, and so he automatically the referee's looking for stupid things, um, uh, you know, and 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 what would sometimes be judged as a glancing blow and wasn't actually um, obstruction. Well, it's Ryan Wilson, of course, is going to be an obstruction because he's always trying that sort of thing. In a referee's mind, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I saw Sam Johnson wrestling on the floor with one of the one of the, the Scarlet's players for a good couple of minutes while play was going on. You know, I'm sorry, mate, get up off the floor and get back into your team because you're losing. So it's it's just little bits and pieces that you just see that um that that just didn't go right on the night and also you know they don't help themselves. So I think it's a mixture of the team the team the team itself, but also Danny Wilson's not using the team the, the players that he's got in the right way, I don't think, because you know it, Putin, you know, you've got and we talked about it before uh, in the in the chat. To have, to have um, you know, we've got Finn Russell, apparently, according to Scotland fans and Glasgow fans and sometimes some of some Edinburgh fans and the media, we've got Finn Russell as uh, top man at 10, Adam Hastings is top man, as uh, second in command, and the next one coming through is Ross Thompson. Why is Ross Thompson then sitting on the bench when we've got uh, Dunkey Weir in at 10? And that's that for me is, you know, he should be pushed out and, and told to lead. Um, because he's a he's a he's a talent, or being told or being told he's a talent. So uh, you have to look at 
both sides. I think I, I've got a feeling it's a, it's it's regime rather than, than players, but you know, there's a really I wonder as well sure. how much pressure is coming from above Glasgow with things like that, especially with mm-hmm. Ross Thompson this weekend because he was coming into the Scotland squad. Whether maybe they were saying take it easy on him because he's coming into the squad. Because I, I, mean, I don't think it's just Glasgow. I think that happens to Edinburgh as well. Because there, there's for the last few years, there's always been some head scratching personnel decisions for both teams, and I, I think quite a lot of the time it comes down to the Scotland coaching setup is dictated more than I think any of us would like on the lineups for yeah. both teams. With yeah. and that was supposed to be the, the the thing this season, wasn't it? That the URC was going to be there were going to be no games during the international windows. Those could be rest periods, so that the big players were playing. You know, week in, week out, and I think you're right, Johnny, because Blair Kinghorn started from en- for Edinburgh. Adam Hastings, I, I, I think, I don't know, did he ever did he play for Gloucester this weekend? Someone will tap. He did, yeah, he did. So Hastings for Gloucester, you know, Finn Russell didn't play, so it's. I think that that, that it would seem it seems likely that the the instruction was put Ross Thompson on the bench because if Kinghorn goes down. Or Hastings goes down, or the two of them go down. Then he's, we need, we, we're going to need him, and we can't risk him. And then that means that you're then playing Dunkey Weir, which the astounding thing is, you posted it, Johnny. The the kind of Glasgow social media post of here's Dunkey Weir, Mister Reliable, and they had the goal to put in the staff. They had a seventy six percent kicking success rate under the title yep. Mister Reliable. If that was Dunkey Weir, I'd be thinking they were sarcastic. <laughs> Yes, uh, it's not great. No. The, the thing that confuses me about that is why we went out and got Miotti. Because he's the yeah. couple of games he's played, he's been really, really good. And he's not anything to do with the Scotland setup. There's no Argentina games just now. There's no reason for him to be mucking about carrying water on the sidelines. He should be in the squad. I don't I don't get it. That's a yeah. big one. Yeah. 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 And I think that you know, Dunkey Weir is a you know Dunkey Weir is a great player, and has been a great player for Scotland, Glasgow, and Ember in the past. But I'm not. You, I think Glasgow and Ember want to play a certain way, and they're not too dissimilar ways because it's this idea of having kind of you know, kind of top down approach to Scottish rugby. There's a Scottish way of playing, and the clubs are supposed to play it, and the pro teams are supposed to play it, but. Dunkey Weir occasionally has flashes of being able to play it, but he can't play it consistently across sixty or seventy minutes. No, he's no. always he's always been a kick in a, a kick in ten, um, and and you know kick kick the ball to the, either kick for touch or kick kick the ball to have it either return to us or, or more make them play. Um, he's never really been a he's never been an attacking ten as such. So, should we leave Glasgow there, Johnny? Have you got any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think that that's, we've kind of covered everything. It, it is just like the, the same old, same old. We we get ourselves in a position where... And the, the most annoying thing about it is you can usually tell with about half an hour left if we're going to lose the game. Mm-hmm. And and 99 times out of 100, if I sit, sit there at 50 minutes and go, we're going to lose this game... Then we do, and I did I, that happened on Saturday night because I was speaking to a couple of our pals who are Scarlets fans, and actually, uh, Rhiannon, friend of the pod, Rhiannon, who's been on before, she's a Scarlets fan, and she wasn't even watching it until I said to her, with half an hour to go, I think we're going to lose this game, and then she turned it on, and sure enough, we lost. 
because <laughs> you can you can see it happening every single time. If if it feels like we're going to lose, then almost every time we lose, and yeah. it's just getting a bit frustrated now. Yeah, fair enough. And the opposite, Craig, was Embra at the weekend, where oh, yes. you're eight points down and a man in the bin. And then that happens. <laughs> yeah, I, and that was, and I, I, I was off Johnny's opinion when I when I watched the first five minutes. Uh, for, you know, the first well, what, five, first ten minutes, I'm sitting there going, "Oh man, we're all over the place here. We're scrambled defence constantly." Um, and I, I kind of thought that we we're going to have our hands full with Connaught because the Connaught are well known um, for their attack because their defence is so poor that they um, they have to attack all the time. Um, and score more tries than you to to, to win games, um, and 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 they only had what two two players away at Ireland, so that mm-hmm. I expected them to come over and, and it, it, to be a close game. Um, I was hoping for the win. I was expecting the win, but um, I, I thought it was going to be a close game. Um, and then all of a all of a sudden, what a turnaround! Um, and it shows that. In complete opposite um, to Glasgow, we're managing our players the right way, and we've we've, we've signed well. Um, we're using the players that we've signed. You know, we're talking about is it Miotti? Miotti. Yeah. You know, we've we've brought in two Argentinians, and we're using them. Um, Immelman again, you know, at fifteen looked fantastic after my initial jitters when I saw him for the first couple of games. Um, he's kicking from hand, wasn't looking all that great and I was worried about it um, and then you know people like Christine who I've I've, ne- I've never been convinced with Christine because I always felt he took into contact far too much started delivering passes as he did and it was quite a, quite something to behold yeah but I suppose you've got that I, I think there's I suppose if the feeling around Glasgow of one is, is one of doom and despair it's the opposite feeling Ember, and I suppose that carries into the team. So a guy like Christine, who maybe hasn't had as many chances this season as he had the last couple of years, kind of comes in and is able to kind of slot in in that way and play the systems. Very much so, and and he he looked. I think he played last weekend as well, and he looked pretty good then. Um, but nothing went, you know, to that. We we can, you know, we, the work he did defensively, the work he did in attack, and then that pass that he put into uh, into Immelman for, I think it was the third or the fourth try, um, you know, and one of the comments in, on Twitter was, you know, um, he, he put that pass in and, it, and the guy and Immelman was at full chat and the cameraman couldn't keep up with the pass because he missed it, he just about missed him catching it, you know. Um, it was just phenomenal, you know. So, yeah, a very, very strong, a very, very strong um, performance. But again, Whatever you know, as I've said before, for us, for Edinburgh, it comes from a strong um, set piece, and our forward play is is very very good, and it gives us the ability to, to uh, gives the backs the ability to use the ball as they want. You know. Yeah. Um, should we talk about Black Kinghorn, Johnny? I'm going to make you talk about Black Kinghorn. No, that's fine. I uh, didn't see the game live because I was out of the shops, but. Every Edinburgh fan I know was gleefully updating me on how well Blair Kinghorn was playing because that's apparently my life now. Um, but I did I did go back and watch the highlights and and he was he was really really good. 
he's he's developed a lot at 10 this season. Since he's been given an extended chance to do it, he's put in some really, really good performances. And, you know, at the end of the day, that can only be good for everyone, to be honest. That's, that's what we want, a bit more competition for Scotland, more consistency for the two pro teams. I don't know what you want. He was good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. He was good. And I think it's after the France game, Craig, I kind of feel like he maybe needed that. Kind of he's had a bit of a rough six nations so far in that I mean, we've you know he's not that we pay attention to what we're saying on the podcast, but we we kind of I suppose have captured the the mood elsewhere of what's the point of him being on the bench. And that, again, that's no reflection of him and against France, maybe you know. Scotland lost the shape a little bit. I'm not sure that's entirely down to Blair Kinghorn. But, you know, like getting that chance to play, you know, a prolonged game of rugby at 10 against a, you know, a, a difficult team. And like I said, some, some of the, and, you know, passing has been something that he's been pulled up on before, but his passes are, you know, you can see him develop every game. And there's obviously something there the coaches see that, other people don't because Mike Blair is describing as potentially world class now. Yeah, um, Mike Blair, Gregor Townsend, the new the new attacking coach who I've forgotten his name. Um, a person I trust in immensely when it comes to that. Pete Horn are all telling us that he's a, that 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 you know wherever he's put, he'll try hundred percent. He'll he'll work as hard as he can. He's a he's a professional athlete. Um, and for me, what I don't want is for anyone else to start putting the oar in and, and, and moving them anywhere else now. Either let them play 15 or play 10, and that's it. I don't want to, you know, I, I was laughing at Alan, um, Alan McDonald um, saying, you know, hashtag Kinghorn for 12. Cut that out. I don't want to see him at 12 because I want... I want him, you know, unless it's unless it's with Finn at, Finn at ten and him at twelve. But I think, you know, he, he's going to be. He's obvious. It's obvious that people want him at ten within the Scottish setup. They wouldn't have taken a chance on him or an, you know, an experiment with him, um, with in the Six Nations that we could we could have won, or we had the opportunity to win. This is a calculated. This is a calculated position that put him in. And so, um, and and I would like to say, and, and if everybody is who's been listening, I wasn't one of those people who was saying that he shouldn't be on the bench, and he shouldn't, you know, what is he doing here? And oh my God, this 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 doom and gloom. I was glad he was there because I think he's he's he is an emerging talent. He has always been of it. He's you know he's a centurion for the club. He's played a lot of a lot of times for the club. He's done a very very good job for the club, and I think he's going to do. He's played very well for Scotland when he's been asked to. He's made a couple of mistakes, but who else, you know, our world-class 15 and 10 have been making plenty of mistakes too, you know? Is, so. is the problem, though, not that for a long time the attraction with Blair Kinghorn was that he was really versatile? Like, that was that was the thing. That's what everybody loved about Blair Kinghorn for the first couple of years, is that he could, he was a great 15, he was a great winger, They've moved into ten now. He's becoming a great ten. Like the for for the for a while, the whole attraction was that he he was versatile enough to play any of those positions. So I think to like it makes sense to stick him either at fifteen or at ten. But then you lose a lot of what attracted 
the coaches to him in the first place because they wanted the fact that he could play a lot of positions. There's talk, I mean, there seems to be talk of Mike Blair and Gregor Townsend that he can fill a slot in at 13 as well now. Mm. And I don't know, obviously there's a massive difference between playing 15 and 10. I don't know and whether or not how specialised 13 is. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, obviously Chris Harris does that, you know, does an exceptional job, doesn't you know, is an absolutely exceptional player at 13, and there are exceptional players at 13, but I don't know how specialised 13 is compared to say 10 and 10 and 15. It, somebody will tell me different, but it seems to be a place of so long as you know where to stand and you can hit it up and you know where you're supposed to be when the calls are made. Def- defensively there's a lot more to 13 nowadays yeah so you ha- you have to be able to to run a defense run a defensive line from 13 i think that's that's the bit that takes the most to to go up from being a good 13 to being a great 13 the most the most work comes not in developing what you can do but your ability to run the defensive line around you and I think that's that but would that's worry a, me about him just getting shoved there. That's a transferable skill though, because if he's a ten and he's doing that, he would be doing that at ten. It's a different yeah. place in the line, but he's if it's a kind of if the skill is then that you can communicate with others outside them, then I don't think thirteen's too much of a shift from ten. I mean, it's not like scrum; they're asking to play scrum half. Yeah, I think so yeah, I don't, nice. I, I, the versatility thing doesn't worry me so much because I think more and more nowadays, more and more players are versatile now and can slot in two, if not three, positions. I don't understand why him and Hastings haven't both been on the bench. To be mm. to be perfectly honest, that would that would be my choice because then that gives you not only covering all the positions, but it gives you the option of different game plans because you've got two different options at 10 to bring on. But then it's, again, it's, it goes back to the, all the conversations that are being had is that they are, they are training up to be a 10. He's a 10 now. Mm-hmm. He has, he, he can play at fullback and he can slot in at 12 and, and, and 13 if, or on the wing if needed. So again, if we're at a 6-2 split on the bench, then, then he's a, he's a perfect person to have on the bench. Um, but uh, you know, for example, this weekend, I'd like to see him starting at ten mm-hmm. because I think this is the opportunity for you to then say, right, you know, we're 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 selling this guy as a ten. We're telling us telling everyone that he's a ten. Finn's not having the greatest time at the moment. Right, let's play ten. See, my only problem with that, and like, and it's not because I don't want Kinghorn to play ten, but. Who plays fifteen? Because he is he. This is my problem with Kinghorn being in the squad where other people weren't the whole way through, is that he was our only option as a backup ten for the first three weeks of the the Six Nations, and he was also our only option as a backup fifteen. So what's happened now is that Finn and Hoggy have have got fairly complacent because there isn't competition. Well, there is competition for both their positions, but it's from the same person, so they know that that actually they're fine. That's why I'm so happy to see Ross Thompson. And Adam Hayes. Yeah, but you're not, you're not going to see for all of them. Uh, Scotland captain not starting next weekend at 15. One option would be, and I think you're all right, Craig, and it's whether or not, again, we've talked about this before, whether or not Gregor Townsend has the cojones to do pull something like this, is 
there's a situation in which everybody can win and you can not upset Finn and that you take him as your water carrier and you drop him out the squad altogether and get and say it's a chance for others to get game time. Look, it's 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 only Italy in inverted commas because I think the player the, the depth we've got are good enough to you're good enough to drop Finn to be in a water carrier and, and pass some meshes on the field. You start King Horn, you put Hastings on the bench, and Hastings can then do the, the King Horn thing if he covers ten and fifteen. I just and I, I take Craig's point about him being the captain. I just think that the person who most needs shaking around and completely it's Hog. Yeah, I agree. Oh yeah, like I'd I'd, I'd keep Finn and drop Hoggy personally. Yep. But I, I agree. Just, King Horn at fifteen. Yeah, I totally I totally agree with you there, um, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, um, and, and and watch this tomorrow. I'm going to be absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. I, mean, I was going to say, let's not get too deep into squad selections for tomorrow. <laughs> by the time most yeah. people listen to this, it'll be completely. They'll be like, "Going, I can't kind of believe they said that." They drop Hoggy. Christ, he's playing drop. <laughs> but yeah, but, it's no, I, it's just it's the way it is. I suppose you know, it's just. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah. It so I mean, it, I want to kind of come back to Ember though. Of course, please do. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, Al McDonald makes the point, Craig, that it was impressive that an experienced Emberside pulled it together and turned it around up before halftime without coaching intervention. Mm. Now, obviously, there'll be coaching intervention and the messages get passed on the pitch, but I suppose, you know, they're not having to go in the sheds and be given a talking to or shown video footage of where the gaps are. They, they were able to kind of problem solve on the hoof, which is, as Johnny said, something that Glasgow are currently struggling with. Yeah, and, and to be perfectly honest, um, they only went 8-3 eight, eight, down. It wasn't like it was, you know, it wasn't like they were they were looking at, you know, they'd let three tries in in the first 20 minutes and they were kind of having to, having to panic and change things around. They'd only lost, a, you know, they'd only gone ahead by a try. So it wasn't, I don't think it was that it was a, it, things didn't go to plan, yes, but I don't. I don't think they were out of control, and they had to turn it around. I think they just things weren't look. You know, things had kind of they'd been startled by um, Connaught's um, jump out the gate, and they started a bit slow. But then when they got back into, you know, they got um, the forward pack working hard, um, you know, creating quick ball. Um, you know, they started to play as they needed to play, and and. And having the strike runners that they have in Boffelli, Immelman, Moyano, um, you know, Blair Kinghorn again bursting through tackles, offloading the ball inside, etc. It just, you know, had, it was a very, very strong performance. And that, so I don't actually think it was too much to be panicked about. I think it was, uh, it was just, um, it wasn't a great start. Yeah. In terms of depth, Johnny, I'm interested in your, your take on this because Embra seem to have a lot of depth right across the board at the minute. Is that the same at Glasgow? You know, or is it that players are not being played where they need to be played, or is there maybe a lack of depth in certain positions? Second row is a bit thin for, for Glasgow. Other than that, I think we've we've got just as just as good depth as Edinburgh do. We're just not always using it properly. Um that was, we've spoken about Miotti already. We've got Josh Mackay, who can play 10, who was playing on the wing on Saturday afternoon. 
Um, we've got Fafita that's not really getting used. We've got Seb Cancellari is not really getting used. That's as well as Rufus McLean, obviously, Kyle Stain. We've got really good centres. We've got Cole Forbes as well. I mean, we're Glasgow are absolutely falling over backs in almost every position. Loads of really good back rows. A couple of, of pretty decent front rows. And just for some reason, don't they just don't seem to be getting used right at the right time. You've got Simon Bergen, world's fittest prop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and some really good front rows. <laughs> I think if you look at though, I think and, and Mike Blair said it all uh, on the weekend, you know, that team that have played played on Saturday, sorry, Friday night, um, have already played three games together as a group of youngsters, and he's put his faith in them. And he's just said, right, you know, you need to you need to step up, it's time to go, let's go. Um, and I think that is a slight difference because, for example, Tom Gordon. Tom Gordon was, every, you know, he, he burst on the scene. Everybody said, wow, look at this guy. This guy's going to be phenomenal for Glasgow. And, did, and he did a very, very good job. Then disappeared for, what, I don't know, how many games. And, then he, and you know, it's it's this whole thing with Glasgow. Of, and I think you just said it there, Johnny, and I'm, I'm going over old, old, old ground, I guess, but just not using the right people at the right time. And it just seems, you know... Okay, Tom Gordon was playing at the weekend, and so was Cole Forbes, Forbes, and things. But these are players that they burst onto the scene, and everybody said that this is the this is the new Glasgow team, and they are going to be phenomenal. And all of a sudden, they're not being used, and they're they're not even on the bench. Yeah, then that's that's one difference between Glasgow and Edinburgh is is like you say, Edinburgh have got a really a really good core of young Edinburgh players, and there isn't. Glasgow haven't got so much of that. Like we've we have got a bunch of really good names, like I just rattled off, but they've all come from different places and they've all come this season. Whereas, you know, we I guess we've you know we've got Tom Gordon, we've got the props that are there, Ollie Smith, Jamie Doby. There are a few that are like that are young players that have come through with Glasgow or coming through together. But our team seems to be a lot more of bringing in different players from different places and they because they're not being used properly together, they're not getting the same chance to gel that the Edinburgh team are getting. And you've only got one Super Six franchise and that's not even in Glasgow. Yeah, exactly. We don't we don't we didn't get three Super Six teams like Edinburgh did. <laughs> and, and, you know that there's 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 many things to, to look at that, you know, because that could be a factor. Mm. It also could be a factor that um, Danny Wilson is not using, you know, bringing in the players that he's that he's that, that he's doing isn't isn't becoming isn't selling itself as a cohesive team, isn't a, isn't aiding the the cohesion, you know, the cohesion of the team because there are so many different people from different places. Because if you look at, you know, if you look at Edinburgh, especially the forward pack, there's a lot of young lads there that are from. From Scotland, who have come through Super Six, etc., and and they're doing a very very good job, you know. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. Okay, we'll move off the uh, URC. Shall we talk about? Um, I'm trying to say, should we talk about the weekend then? And what's coming? I mean, we're, we're not going to talk about player selection because, like, so we're recording this on a Wednesday, and the, the team's out tomorrow, so we'll, we'll people will know within the next twenty four hour who's playing. But I guess. Two, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said Italy will be treating Scotland like any other team now because 
of the of where they are in the pecking order. However, I think after the last two games, I kind of feel that I've got a horrible nagging doubt of we are now suddenly the team that they're going to target for a win this this year, Johnny. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty worrying because it feels like that was the that was the thing for a really long time, and we thought that finally it wasn't going to be the case, and yet here we are. Um, and that's that's what kind of worries me about shaking it up too much. I feel like there is some shaking up in the Scotland team that needs to be done. But I wouldn't go too far because the last thing we want to do is end up giving ourselves a fright against Italy because we we need a bonus point. That's like non-negotiable. Yeah. Italy, where are you, Craig? Um, they see us as a wounded animal, so I think you're, I think they're 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 after us. But I don't. I honestly don't feel um, because our, our the you know the Scotland team themselves are are needing to pull themselves together and they're going to ha- hopefully have a reaction as well. So I actually think we're going to we're going to put a, a decent win on over over them at the weekend. Um, so to answer your question, is that no, they don't worry me very much. Yeah, and I guess they've got lots of good young players, Johnny. But actually, when you look at how they were play. I mean, they played well for periods against England, but then you kind of remember this is a pretty poor England side by England standards. And, you know, I'm not saying that England are rubbish. Obviously, we all believe that anyway. It's intrinsic <laughs> in our, uh, you know, it's in our DNA, but it's a pretty poor England side at the minute. And, but, you know, even against when they were causing England problems, they just didn't really seem to know what they were doing. They don't really seem to have any shape or cohesion. The coach just seems to be sat there like he's kind of completely disinterested whenever the camera flashes on him. Yeah. The, I think that they're at a point in their development now where all of these young players are pretty exciting, really up for it. I think some of them have got a lot of talent, but they're just not. This is good. This could come back to bite me. They're just not quite there yet in terms of being the finished product. I think you're. I think you're right that like when it when it gets to the important parts, when it gets to defending their their own twenty two, or when it gets to to finishing off an attacking move, they just don't quite have it yet. So yeah, there there are things that make me quite nervous, like. The dedication that they all have, the excitement that they all have, I could see them getting themselves right up for it. But I do think they're just not quite there in the final phase yet. But, but you know, it's 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 the usual thing. This is this weekend is going to be down to Scotland and what Scotland turns up. You know, we're either it's not you know Italy. Um, have shown us, especially in the club game, they've got a great, you know, they've got forwards that can hurt you, and they can, and they can do a, a fantastic job. But their their um, their cohesion and the, the, their link play lets them down quite dramatically, and they get tired. And once you know, you're always going to try and beat a, an Italian team in the last twenty minutes um, or the last forty minutes. So, and as as 
for us, it's it's what Scotland's going to turn up. Are we going to have a Finn Russell and a Hogg um, who um, are are going to try everything themselves and, and and aren't going to play a part, or are they going to absolutely play their skins and we're going to put three or four tries past them um, with no response from Italy? So it's more it's more the onus is on Scotland than saying right what Scotland's going to turn up rather than Italy because we kind of know what we're expecting from Italy. Yeah, well, Neil Barriscon is Patreon saying the press here, Neil's out on Italy, are basically building the game up as one they could win. I think it, the worry for me is Italy remind me a lot of Scotland under Scott Johnson, where he basically blooded a lot of young players. Mm. And I don't think it'll be long before Italy are competitive again. And I, I, I think this the, the Scotland game for Italy is their Calcutta Cup, Johnny. Every yeah, year, yeah, that's it's the game that they 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 will be up for this game because they don't yeah. fear us in the way that they don't fear they don't fear us in the way that maybe they fear other teams. No, and I and I honestly thought that we were past that. Like, just just once, I'd like to see Italy target another game. <laughs> like, I, I thought maybe they. Like, Towards the start, after the first weekend of the tournament, I thought maybe they would target Wales, and now that's probably not going to happen. I mean, they might. I don't know. Wales, Wales don't look much better than us, um, no. but I still think this is the one that they reckon that they can win. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the Massimo Cutia Tita Cup now. It is. If I pronounce that right. So we've now we now have a trophy for every single game that we play. So that's what. <laughs> Seven, eight, eight trophies you could potentially win now for Scotland if you got a Grand Slam. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice, uh, nice tribute to him. I have to say, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's very nice. It's nice it's it's well. Yeah, absolutely, a fitting tribute, you know. But yeah, eight, eight trophies we could be rattling around in the in the halls hallways of uh, Murrayfield if we actually got our act together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other big bit of news this week is that Duhan van der Moer was out for the rest of Six Nations. Now, um, should we discuss this here as a bit of a hands, a pre hands in the rock, hands in the rock? Yeah, and Duhan's red card. I'm sure yeah, everyone, everyone is on the edge of their seat to hear what we've got to say about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a red card. That's Not that's yet. my take on it because it wasn't a ha- because it wasn't a handoff. I'm not angry that that it's a red card. If he hadn't got a red card for it, I wouldn't be saying he'd got away with one. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah. Like I'm, I wasn't surprised to see him red carded, but I wouldn't. I would have been equally unsurprised to see him not be red carded. Yeah, and that's. I think that's that's what that's kind of how I feel about it, is you can't. There's all there's so many different shades of grey within disciplinary decisions and on field referee decisions that are made, and then in the the, the aftermath is. That could have easily been a yellow. It could have easily been a referee making a boys will be boys decision. He'd be wrong, but yeah. you could see that happening in similar circumstances. I think what bothered me, though, was in the aftermath of the number of people that came to me saying, it's a handoff, the game's gone soft. It's like, it's not a handoff because you do a handoff with the palm of your hand, and that's in the law book. Mm. So the moment that he hasn't used the palm of his hand and he's used another part of his body and it's made contact with the head he's in trouble and that's what it's a bit like saying well he tried to do a tackle but he 
smash the shoulder into the guy's face. It doesn't matter what he's trying to do. It's kind of what what did he do? That's what matters, yeah. Craig. What oh, are you, Craig? Oh uh, yeah, uh, it's difficult because I've I looked at it a couple of times and went, oh, I don't know about that, you know. And it, and it, and it's a talking piece for a lot of people, and and it's a it's a it's one of those things that lots of people are going to have the one one um, one feeling about it, and lots of people are the other way around have have a similarly opposite view. Um, it's a red card to me. Um, I could see it getting downgraded to yellow if someone was a little bit more um, laxadaisical is the wrong word, but a little bit more relaxed about the laws and, and then maybe said, look, it was a mis- it's, he's obviously gone for a handoff and there's, he's made a mistake, so you could probably bring mitigation at that, but I don't think there's any wiggle room in mitigation for that. Um, you know, because they don't say, oh, you know, he was actually going for it. Well, they do. They say he was bending his knees and he was going in for a tackle. And unfortunately, he's, he's, his shoulder has hit the guy in the head. So they do give, you know, they do give slight mitigation on those sort of things. But it's a difficult one. I I, I, I find it's really, I find it very difficult to, to be I on think, one side. Yeah, I think the problem is that, and, and we've got a comment on, on Twitch, someone said it probably should have been a red, but the three weeks is harsh. I think that... The, That's my exact take, to be honest. But the problem is, and I think all players now must be aware of this, if you go into an appeal and you say, I accept what I did was wrong, but the moment you say but and then add some kind of mitigation or defence yourself, then... I think, from memory, I think that that all kind of mitigation and taking account of good character goes out the win- Character goes out the window because they're like going, "Okay, we're going to try you on your defense. We're going to look at what you you're going to say in your defense, and then we'll just apply the rules." Whereas if you go in and say, "I'm terri- terribly sorry, Governor," and doff your cap to the disciplinary panel, they'll go, "Oh well, he you know he gives he gifts aids every time he goes to a national trust property." <laughs> There's a lot of charity work, yeah. He, you know, yeah. and he looks after stray cats, <laughs> so reduce yeah. it to you know we'll, we'll say no more about it. But the moment you say "but," Johnny, it seems to be that that "but" then gets you into trouble because the moment you try and kind of almost defend yourself, I think the rules are that you can't. They can't then take account of mitigation. Yeah, there's. There's a lot goes on in the background of a disciplinary hearing, and not of not a lot of it always makes sense. <laughs> but that that's one that has always confused me because I I don't understand why everybody involved couldn't have just looked at that and gone, okay, yeah, no, that's definitely a red card. But I, like the the boy from Bristol who got a four week ban for using his shoulder on somebody's head got it reduced to three weeks because he did the tackle course, did the tackle course last week, came back this week, hit somebody in the face with his shoulder again, got sent off on it, and he got four weeks, and Duhal gets three weeks. Like, how does make that make sense? I think the reason is, and, and it's a problem that World Rugby has, is that the disciplinary process is run by barristers and judges. So if you, in England certainly, if you do... Uh, if you judicially review someone, if it's done on the papers, so that's the initial kind of like, I'm going to have a crack at this. Here's the papers. W- what do you think? Then they make a judgment. They might make a judgment one way or the other. But I think then if you push it to a full trial because you're being an arsehole and you want to argue your point, they'll 
you get less of a you get less leeway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean they'll they'll start looking at awarding costs and they'll start looking at saying why are you wasting our time with this? But I think if it's done on the papers, if you turn up and say I'm terribly sorry, Governor, I'd off the cap to you, I shouldn't have done it. Then they're like, fine, you're not wasting my time. I'll you know I'll, I'll take account of your good behaviour and the fact you love your mother, and off you go have a week. Whereas I think that the moment they feel like they that you are putting in a defence. And that you're going to take up their time with making them think about that defence, then the idea of giving you any sort of mitigation completely goes out the window. I think that's t- I think it's too tied to how court cases are run, because if you take something full trial and it's frivolous, then a judge will absolutely hammer you. And mm. I think it's similar. I think that's the kind of principles that they're applying. I, I don't think it's right. Yeah, because uh, you could, mind you, you could argue, uh, you could argue it both ways because you, you know, because he didn't, you know, he did. It, it looks like a mistaken handoff. Um, Kyle Rowe didn't go off for an HIA. Didn't wasn't lying on the ground rolling around with his hands in his head. You know, he, he that he wasn't affected affected negatively with it. So you could all all of those things if he if he if he had came going yeah I'm sorry I did it I didn't I didn't mean to do it and left it at that then yeah but I think um, unfortunately I think if he's argued it a little bit you know a little bit further then they've just kind of thrown the book at yeah I'm not gutted because he's one of the players who I would have rotated out anyway so <laughs> yeah I I don't think I don't think I think it's a probably a good thing for him and Scotland that he's not available because. It gives us a few more options. It does, yeah. And I don't don't, don't think he's had a particularly great Six Nations either. But who has for Scotland? Yeah, Yeah. Darcy Graham. Darcy Graham has, yeah, that's true. And the greatest human. Yeah. There are players who have. Fair enough. There's two. (laughs) (laughs) There's two. Um, I think that's, that's probably it. Um, the only other thing I'd say is that um, for some reason I was inundated when I was saying that the Duhan thing was a red card. I got loads of what I think were Russian <coughs> bots on Twitter telling me the game's gone soft. So I oh, think okay. I, what what my view is, I'm doing with it for the war effort by distracting them with their rugby disciplinary <laughs> issues. I would also, I, I would uh, one thing I would like to say is that um, uh, there was breaking news earlier on that um, there's going to be uh, an under eighteen women's festival at the damn health um in the foreseeable future um and it's a, a world rugby festival so there's going to be um, teams from all around the world coming to play at the damn health um uh, under 18 women's rugby so it's gonna be fantastic so um, excellent that's a, that's a positive excellent. move and yesterday was international women's day and yes and i think we're going to talk about that we'll get on to that in the patreon um, yeah. If you want to um, listen to our Patreon podcast, you can sign up to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast for £3 a month. Um, and that will get you access to the bonus weekly podcast that we do where we kind of talk about hands in the rock and some wider issues to do with rugby. Um, you can find us on, we're on Twitter, we're on Twitter, Twitch, we're on YouTube. If you want to watch us live, if you want to listen to the podcast on audio format, it's on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you can find uh, podcasts. We will put out on Friday lunchtime, we're hoping to have um, Robbie from Robbie Owen from Squidge Rugby is going to join us to preview the Italy match on Friday lunchtime um, where we'll talk about um, talk about the lineups. That'll go out as an audio podcast. 
um, to everyone, and you it'll be live streamed for our patrons. Um, so you have something to listen to on Saturday morning to get yourself in the mood for the game. Um, we're going to go and record the Patreon podcast now, but for everybody who is just listening to the normal one, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig and Johnny. Bye. Bye-bye.